Hey fam, we're starting with something a little different today, and I ask you to be patient with us. We are starting with a 17-minute clip. It's a long clip. I know it's not something you're typically supposed to do, but I think it's a very important clip to illustrate what we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode. It's a 17-minute clip of Neely Fuller talking to a white woman who attended uh, one of his shows. It's Basically, he basically puts on a clinic. It's like a Socratic dialogue, and it's very fascinating to listen to. And if you're a fan of the show, a lot of the stuff that gets said, especially by the white woman, you'll notice are things that we have mentioned in this episode before. And it's an illustration of a white woman who is very, who prides herself on being an ally and is very forthcoming, is very without guile, which allows her to be surprisingly honest about her motivations and her attractions to allyship. And I think it's um, very important to listen to patiently. And I didn't want to cut it up or uh, rob it of its impact. So against... All conventional wisdom, I am putting the 17-minute clip in its entirety to start off the show, and we'll pick up from there. So, without further ado, here it is. I mean, you know, I'm walking down 7th Street, and I mean, you know, the, the guy from, just got here from Shanghai and whatnot, won't speak to me, or whatever. Speaks to the white guy that passes by, and don't speak to me, and so I get an attitude. Now, what am I basing this on? Is there any reason why this person should stop what they're doing and pay attention to me? Give me one logical reason. Anybody in here? Oh, you have a reason? Speak up. What I think, uh, as a white person, I'm drawn to black people is the truth and the justice and the stuff I don't see. Well, wait a minute. White Slow down. <laughs> you said you are what? A white lady. No, but you said that you are drawn. I, I feel more drawn to the African-American culture Okay, wait a minute. Let's take one thing at a time. You are drawn to the African-American culture. Right. Okay, halt. Put a period behind that. Okay. We're in court. Okay. <laughs> the lady says she's drawn to African-American culture. Put that in the record. Now... This is, the, this is the way we do it. This is codification. So we get to the truth. And we get to the reasons why things happen. You have to do it step by step. That's why I slowed the gentleman down back there who was asking questions. And he started answering his own questions, which is the way you do it. You know, nothing better than answering your own questions, right? You are drawn to African-American culture. Now, what's the logical question? Well, wait a minute. No, no, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold it, hold it. The logical question is, what is African-American culture? That's the way they do it in court. F. Lee Bailey. Well, what, I mean, what I'm drawn to, like I listen to WOL and Joe Madison, and I mean, that's the only radio station that tells the, the truth about anything. I mean, a lot of us white people are sick of... Well, wait a minute, you're moving too fast. You listen to... W.O.L. Right. In order to do what? To hear the truth. 
Oh, you get the truth from W.L. Right. I'm quite sure Mrs. Kathy Hughes would be glad to right. hear that. <laughs> right, you know. Now, the truth about what? About the way the world works, about white supremacy. About, about white supremacy. Right. You get the truth on W.L. about white supremacy, and that's a part of African-American culture, is that African-American culture includes talking about and telling the truth about white supremacy. That's why you are drawn to it, correct? Right. Is that analysis correct? Right. So far, so good. Continue. Well, you were saying that what would people be drawn to in the black culture, and I think what we're drawn to is is a sense of humility that we don't see in the white culture, a sense of love. Well, wait a minute. You're moving too fast. Right. <laughs> you pick up a sense of what? Humility. Humility. From whom? Well, I just think... Black people are more humble than white people. Wait a minute. Hold it. Black people are more humble than white people. Now, you're speaking for the all-time record now. Remember, words are important. Particularly, wait a minute. Are you a white person? Yes. Okay. From a white person, words are important. Right. Particularly in a forum like this. Right. Where there are a lot of non-white people. Right who give high regard to what a white person says, including me. That's why it's important that you slow down because I'm a little retarded. <laughs> Back of the bus, bottom of the boat, retarded. Okay? This is the truth. Okay? So... Repeat what you said last, if you can remember it. Well, I just feel the black people in this country have a beautiful way about them. It seems like it's less, you know, arrogant than white people. It, less arrogance. Right. Now, why do you think this is? Because uh, it's been my experience that black people don't have any problem being arrogant with each other. Oh. <laughs> okay. Have you ever noticed that? No. You haven't seen black people around each other? Not when I wasn't there. <laughs> I mean... Oh. <laughs> that might be significant. Oh. <laughs> In other words, the fact that you are around black people sometimes, and black people during that time are humble and full of humility, is that correct? And not arrogant. You know what? Logically speaking... Your presence might have something to do with that. But I'm that way, too. I mean, I'm a, I don't have any self-confidence. So, I mean, I kind of identify on a personal level. I mean... You mean what? Well, I think those of us who were... Like, I had a kind of a traumatic childhood, so I kind of identify with people who've been through trauma. Okay, what trauma did you go through if you are at liberty to tell? Well, it was just kind of abuse. Abuse. Oh, abused by another white person? Right. So then did you discover that being among black people you were less abused or something? Well, I felt some kind of soulmate feeling like they know what it's like to be abused in the culture versus on a personal level. And then what did happen? What's the bottom line of the result of all of this, these experiences that you have? Well, I think I'm seeing more and more white people drawn to the African American people because we feel we feel disenfranchised 
Democrats, the election was stolen from us, and we're kind of looking to the black community to lead us. How do we fight this horrible Ashcroft and Bush? I mean, we're terrified of them, too, you know, and I feel like we have a lot to learn from people who, you know, have more experience fighting for civil rights because now our civil rights are getting taken away. Oh, our. Now, who is our? Democrats, anyone who's not in line with Ashcroft, Bush, you know, Colin Powell, that whole... Mentality. Let's think in this vein. I think I know where you're going. And it's, you know, it has a certain amount of logic to it so far. But you see, there was a thing called the, what, Civil War. Right. In which white people slaughtered each other by the thousands. Correct. Right. Right over here at Antietam, 10,000 people, all white, slaughtered each other in one day. Back in a time when there were very few people to slaughter. 10,000 in one morning in Antietam, according to history books. White people killing each other in a so-called civil, civilized war. Mm -hmm. Over what? Over who's going to be in charge of the black people. Now, we might be sliding into another history lesson right in this room. That might be your dilemma. That's just a guess, because I have to go in that direction. Because from my viewpoint, that might be really where you are. You feel left out of some of the gains. Like in organized crime, you ever see the movie The Godfather? No. Well, that's a sort of a study in white supremacy based on the old Roman Empire. But I don't want to be, I'd, I'd rather be left out of dishonesty and meanness. And I mean, I'd rather be down with the people who are at least good. You know, I, I, why would I well, want to? Well, wait a minute. You want, want to be down. Game. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And we, we're not going to stay here and, and, and just talk about this, too, because we're going to move on on some things. But, but I think some of the people in here do want to hear some of this because... At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, you are going to be dealing with people just like the lady back there. She is still a member, maybe not in good standing, of the greatest force on this planet in the form of people. Don't forget that. This lady says she was white. You might say that don't mean nothing to you. You know that you are not telling the truth when you say that. She's a member of an organized force. Or she's at least associated with it, even though she's saying that she wants to get disassociated with it. But what did I say at the beginning of this talk? The white people who don't believe in racism are not among the smartest which means that they won't know how to deal with it either. The lady has said, didn't you say that you came in here to try to learn something? I'm quite sure right. you're here for a reason. Right. Is that the reason? Yeah. You didn't exactly say that, but I helped you along. Right. 
I have to I have to remember that. Right. Okay. But the best people to learn from are the people that you're running from. Because that's where the work has to be done. See, you might can solve your individual problem. And at some point, one way that you may do it is hook up with somebody non-white <laughs> in a sexual way. I'd like that. <laughs> you like that? I thought you would. <laughs> I mean, I, Now, I, I, according to the code, Okay, be quiet. Be quiet, everybody. Everybody be calm. According to counter-racist logic, if you, or if you have ever, or if you do, or if you're planning on it, having sexual intercourse or engaging in any kind of sexual play with a non-white person anywhere on this planet during the existence of white supremacy, you are not running away from what it is you say you're trying to get away from. You have wholesalely, in the worst way, taken a person who is already a victim and victimized that person to the nth degree. There is no act that you can commit that's worse than that. The black person would be better off if you put a gun to their head and killed them because at least that would send a message to the rest of them to stay alert. If you do this sexual thing, it will put the rest of them to sleep, and they will go further into the confusion. And that has been proven over and over and over and over and over again. So I'm duty-bound to tell you, hold it, hold it, hold it, this is science, this is science. I'm duty-bound to tell you this because this is true. Now, you may emotionally have this inclination. You have to kill it. Well, I'm married to a white man, but I'm just saying, I, I mean, I, I find black men very attractive to Yes, but. I can understand that. This happens all down through history. White men have it more than you. Probably including the one that you have, if he ever went to Nam or someplace. Yeah, he was. He's got a long record. You say yes? He was in Vietnam. He was in Vietnam. Right. Oh, okay. Hoochie House. Okay, maybe. Right. I don't know. All right. But one thing that white men do everywhere they go is make sure that they run through the black females, and then after they finish with them, they dump them and turn them over to us. Okay. But what can we do as, as white people? What can you do? That's the question. Excellent question. Best question in the house. You can go among the white people and start taking those hits that you're going to get when you start talking the way that you talk and start saying you want them to settle this problem mm -hmm. because that's where it has to be settled. The reason we talk among ourselves is because how many white people like yourself are going to walk in here and fess up? Well, I think more would, but like a lot of my friends, like if I say, let's go to this black restaurant, they say, oh, they don't want us there or something. And they feel like they'll be looked down on in black, you know. It depends on what you're there for. Yeah. What are you there for? You're going to a black restaurant. You like the food? 
What do they serve there that you like? Have you ever been to a black restaurant? Yeah. Did you eat the food? Yeah. What did you eat? I had um, blackened salmon. <laughs> you had what? Blackened salmon. <laughs> blackened salmon? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What else? Potatoes and cauliflower. You can get that where you were, right? Right. Because <laughs> that's usually not what called black people call, you know, soul food. Right. Which is something that'll kill you. Right. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Which is an excellent name for it. Right. <laughs> Chitlins, collard greens, something. Yeah, black eyed peas. Black people were fed this on the plantation. You feed, a, to, you feed them what you feed the horses and cows. Even down and out white people in Appalachia would eat part of that hog, but they call it eating wood. High on the hog. Then they take those chitlins, rip them out at the rear end of that pig, throw them out there about the back door into the mud, and here comes Sam because he ain't had nothing to eat. He'll eat the bark off of a tree. And he gather up them chitlins and put them in a pot and cook them. And over a period of time, he likes them. So even when he's, he and she are wearing fur coats, they'll set up in the fanciest restaurant in New York or Paris and order chitlins, you know, and having all that poison run out of their ears. It's not the healthiest food. So you're going to the restaurant is not an improvement either. Correct and correct. Well, I think what you said about talking to other white people is probably the best thing to do because I do find when I express these views to other white people, they, you know, I think that's more productive than expressing them to black people because a lot of white people don't. Okay, so that's what I'm saying, yeah. and I'm going to try to wrap this up yeah. for this part. That's the point that I'm making. You have to go among the white people. Now, you can have sex with your black mate, but only after white supremacy has been eliminated in all of these areas of activity. Right. If you do it any time before then, you are committing one of the worst crimes on earth because you have just messed up another black person's mind. And that black person becomes fit for nothing that's going to help black people and the people that need help the most on this planet in the long run. That's almost a guarantee. Becomes completely devoted to something that's not going to be of help to the people that need help the most. Justice is about helping the people that need help the most. Hey, what's up, Champagne Sharks? Uh, we're trying a new recording system today, so uh, hopefully it works. Hopefully um, there's an um, improvement in sound quality, and most hopefully it reduces the time I have to spend cleaning things up So and doing production, because production is kind of what causes us to have a delay between when we record the episode and when it comes out all right so this is t 
known on Twitter as Ricky Rawls, R-I-C-K-Y-R-A-W-L-S. Feel free to find me and follow on Twitter. And we have with us D Mills. What's going on, everybody? It's D Mills. You can catch me on Twitter at MDMills79. Glad to be here. Let's do it. All right. And yeah, hopefully we can get the hang of this new um, recording system pretty quickly. But what I was up to, right? Um, I was watching. Um, I was watching an open secret before we uh, started recording. You know the one about um, the pedophiles in Hollywood. Yeah, because it relates to what I want to talk about um, during the show. Um, we started the episode out with a. Super long clip, longer than what most people would probably recommend you to do in a podcast. That 17-minute, uh, nearly fuller clip. And I think it's fascinating enough. And it's such a methodic, like, Socratic dialogue dissection of um, a certain type of white ally that I thought it was important to put it in its entirety and just have faith that the audience had the attention span and appreciation to sit through it but um yeah i really like the audio because it's such a good um it's such a good depiction of what kind of draws a lot of um white people to um allyship yes yeah and an open secret didn't really have a um racial component to it but I wanted this to be kind of a continuation of the Devante Hart um, episode. So, in a, so this episode is going to have like two themes. One is going to be um, about abuse, and the other one's going to be about um, what attracts um, some white people, not all. I mean, this is important. Because I don't want to create the impression that we are doing a guilty until proven innocent um, depiction of white people who are drawn to helping um, non-white people. You know, that's not what we're saying any more than um, talking about pedophiles means that, for example, you know, we talk about... um, a lot of pedophiles, you know, you're not trying to say anything particular about, um, because a lot of these pedophiles and these stories that we're going to talk about today are, um, homosexual, right? And similar to, so I just want to say both ways. Um, the fact that just like discussing a lot of same sex pedophilia cases is by no means an aspersion on, gay people or trying to imply that this is a norm for gay people the fact that a lot of white people in these stories are drawn to helping black people for the reasons that they know it's easier to get away with harming black people because as white people they're going to get the benefit of the doubt and also um as the victims being black it's easier for them to get lost in the system for nobody to care for whatever you know for those reasons, that's why they're drawn to it. It's by no means an attempt by us to say, assume every white person 
is drawn to helping black people for this reason. That's something I want to make clear. At What we are trying to say is don't lower your guards because the person's white. You know, as in the same red flags you would notice if it was a black person or some other type of non-white person because black people and other non-white people are just as guilty of, you know, using somebody's unfortunate circumstances to, you know, victimize them. But the difference is uh, the white privilege sometimes, well, not sometimes, oftentimes allows the white person to get away with it where a lot of other types um, wouldn't get away with it. And um, I'll let you take the floor if you have anything to say. No, I just think that um, I think you touched on everything um, handily. I think that it's a very important distinction to make. And also, you know, in reading some of these stories, as you'll see what uh, particularly with some of the stories involving uh, NGOs, international NGOs, you're going to see um, what some of the replies are in response to the allegations that were made against those organizations. And you'll get to see a little bit of what T talks about, even some of the investigations that, that went on into the matters, they were led by well-meaning people. But when you look at some of the responses, uh, you're going to see, um, a certain amount of privilege that um, was definitely implied in some of the remarks that we'll get into later on in the show. And also, we said the responses uh, from who, from the accused or from like the commenters to the story? Some of the people that they reached out to uh, for comment regarding some of the controversies, you know, you're okay. going to see, um, you know, some of the defenses that they give for their organizations and things like that, which in some part is to be expected, but, um, You'll see as we get into it, um, <laughs> some yeah. of the comments were just kind of like, whoa, you don't understand the uh, what you just said there. But also, I think it's oh, 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 also like they're telling on themselves to a degree. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I would definitely say that. And um, I think it's also you hit it right on the head, though. I think um, a lot of times in these situations where we we trust certain people. And, um, you know, particularly groups of people that are vulnerable. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not always what we think it is. Rather, it's, you know, you, you're in a, in a church and, you know, some type of youth pastor, a youth minister or priest ends up taking advantage of children or women and things like that. Um, so you put yourself in positions where you want to trust people and then they end up doing some of the most vile evil things to you doesn't necessarily mean that the entire organization is is bad or that all of the people in the organization are bad it just means that you were in a situation where you were particularly vulnerable and uh people who are susceptible to that will take advantage of that man it's a sad situation but um it is what it is unfortunately yeah so. and the main thing i want to do with the um show is to I mean, not today's show, but just in general is, you know, there's this kind of person that I always feel, not an individual person, but just a type that always kind of is able to form a worse faith reading of like everything. 
not just with this show, but just with general. It's just a personality type, right? I know this is a type of person that will always somehow get like the worst faith reading of whatever you're trying to say. And the longer I podcast, the more I get used to this type of person. So then you end up in this place where you just, I used to always wonder why so many people would give disclaimers about stuff where they say, oh, not all this, not all that, you know? And I think in my head. Um, <laughs> Definitely oh, understand on. now. Yeah, it's like common sense. People know you're not trying to, you shouldn't have to say all the time, not everybody, but I do get it now. I understand why so many people do that because there are people that will do that. So not just with this show, but just in general, I just want to tell people like, uh, unless I say all or most, just follow the adage. If uh, the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. You know, they say the shoe fits, wear it. It goes in reverse too. The shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. So if you are a white person very involved in um, volunteering with black people or helping black people or doing things with orphans and overseas, then this is not about you. You don't have to write us and kind of spill your guts about how, like, you know, you're one of the good ones and you feel like we're disparaging. Like, this is not about you. And the same goes for whatever else we happen to talk about. Unless we explicitly say most or every film the blank does film the blank. But um, I think for this show, the best thing to do is, I know some people listen to the show, they they sign up or join the show and they have a tendency to listen backwards. But in this case, I would recommend that you listen to the Devante Hart episode first. Like It's literally titled Devante Hart before you listen to this one because you're going to assume that you already know a lot about um that episode and um so what was interesting uh, i don't know if you saw this d but you know how with the Devonte hart thing there was no breaking uh or skid or skid marks shown at the site of the crash which kind of leans toward it being a not an accident but intentional because usually people will been shown to like skid really hard, like, you know, turn the wheel really hard to try to avoid a crash right before a crash happens or the instinct is to brake, And they found no signs of hard, um, turning of the wheel and no signs of, uh, skid marks. But strangely enough in the article, um, that first came out, they mentioned, yeah, there was no skid marks, no whatever, but they kept saying, Oh, we have no, sign that this was um intentional intentional then another story came out talking about how uh there was a black box in the suv i didn't know this Uh, suvs now at least some models have black boxes similar to planes like indestructible and i think they're talking about a system like uh onstar and and some of these uh these super advanced navigation systems that a lot of these cars have now, especially under the GM brand. Oh, wait, is this the same as OnStar? I mean, it said black box. So I thought it was literally like a black box inside the car. Yeah, I, I think it's something similar to that, but I'll, I'll double check it just to make sure. Okay. But I think I I've mean, heard that term before used to describe something like OnStar or whatever. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if it's a literal black box, like what they have in a plane or if it's just a term of art. But basically, what the what the black box revealed was that the um, the 
miles per hour were pinned at um, 90 miles per hour. Mm. And that there was no attempted break or skid like like was already known. So it it was going a full 90 miles per hour. And fans of the show who know like that highway told me that that's an insane highway to go very fast on. Like it's it's not the type of highway that you normally go very fast on. It's a uh, it's a sign of recklessness and suspicious uh, for someone to do that on that highway. And even then, uh, the stories were still trying to say um, that it was, uh, don't see a reason to think it was intentional. And they upgraded it to what um, is called a felony negligence, which I didn't even know was, was such a thing, that uh, there's such a thing as felony negligence. So they were fighting it all the way. Mm. And then finally, a story came out where they finally said, um, yeah, we think it was... Uh, we think it might have been intentional. I said, the story says it came out April 1st, f- f- ironically on April Fool's Day. Crash that killed Hart family on Mendocino Coast appears intentional, authorities say. So it's just amazing how to the end, they're still, well, past the end, they're still trying to give these people the benefit of the doubt, despite the cps um visits you know the child protective service visits the weird behavior not answering the door one of the women turned out to have previous child abuse charges and all these other types of weird things they were still saying all the way through it's too early to jump to conclusions t i just wanted to enter really quick um it's called um automatic crash response got it this feature mm-hmm. inside of the uh, the cars that it collects data like within a millisecond and analyzes. So it includes includes like any changes in velocity, the direction of travel, how fast you were going. Also to the, the millisecond. Impact. So it's very, yeah. very accurate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So go ahead. Continue. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to make sure that we got that in there. Yeah. And um, in this and in this article is saying that, you know, they finally, um, the authorities finally were willing to say that, you know, I think it was intentional. This And everybody online was going like, duh, like, you know, this is, <laughs> I mean, if this is the case, you know, I think, I think we're all qualified to be CSI at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, oh, that's interesting too. Um, the comments are very interesting um because people seem to still even in the comments still be trying to give uh um things so somebody was like hey you know it's a tragedy these people um took an inanimate object and used it to kill innocent people thinking the problems would be solved and um you know how people are um you know scumbags and somebody replied could a seizure or heart attack explain the sudden acceleration with a foot oh, down on the pedal? You know, and then they pulled over into a pullout because she felt dizzy, then passed out, resulting in her foot pressing the accelerator. Just wondering. And then um and, and I was like, oh my god, is this a wow. troll or is this somebody really uh, I was just gonna say that almost sounds like a troll. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. But, but, it reminds me of when that, um, you know, the girl from Get Out, the actress, Allison Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever see when she was on the, on um, 
a talk show and she was talking about how after the movie came out a lot of people saw it a lot of people just can't grasp that the character is evil right and they keep asking her is it possible she was doing this is it possible she was doing that and she tells him like no she was just an evil bitch that liked to kill black people like there was no and and they like refused to believe it and they keep they kept working in their own like headcanon and fan theories for why she couldn't just have been evil and they can even accept it to a degree for the white men but it was very hard for them to accept wow that particular uh character so uh yeah. it turns out you're a bad guy <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. i am uh uh, yeah, really bad. Yeah. Like, really, really bad. One of the worst people I can imagine. Yeah, I think it, it's hard to imagine uh, you playing someone more evil than you played in this film. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it because she literally is a white supremacist who eats cereal with the milk and the cereal separate. And I just, I think that might be our world's worst person. Yeah, that is. Yeah. You're combining the two worst things worst that are currently thing. happening. By the way, kind of a bummer. I can no longer eat Fruit Loops in public. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It just, it just freaks people out now. Uh, but you, have, you were actually, uh, I know uh, some magazines did a list of things they can't trust anymore after the film yeah. get out, and you made the list. No, yeah, I made the list. Not my character. I am on that list. Yeah. <laughs> they can't trust me. And I don't blame them. Yeah. I don't blame them. I'll just, I might send him a copy of Peter Pan to be like, meh. <laughs> yeah, right. You well, know. that's true. A lot of people, that shows your great range that you can do Peter Pan, who never turns evil. No, like, he doesn't much. get old enough to become evil. <laughs> exactly. He's just flying. and. But have you had people come up to you and talk to you about your character and actually try to justify? Yes. First of all, they stay about this far away. Okay. Just because, you know, you, <laughs> right. you never know. You never know. I mean, know, now right. I get that kind of reaction. Yeah. And as Marnie, they did too, because they were worried I was going to judge or yell at them or both. <laughs> yeah. But um, So I'm kind of used to that. But yeah, they'd say, like, she was hypnotized, right? And I'm like, no. She's just evil. How hard is that to accept? She's bad. We give you so many ways to know that she's bad. She has photos of people whose lives she ended behind her. The minute she can, she hangs them back up on the wall behind her. That's so crazy. Yeah. And they're still like, but maybe she's also a victim. I'm like, no. No. And it's, I will say, that is 100% white people that say that to yeah, me. Yeah, I was going to guess. I was- wow. That's, a, that's an amazing admission. Of something that happened out of it. That's crazy, man. But I mean, it, it, I guess it shouldn't surprise me because we also see that type of headcanon and things like that. Um, when you talk about different fiction that depicts people in a certain way that um, certain groups of people, you know, they they have it in their head that it's not like that and it's something else. And the, I'm thinking of Black Panther. I hate to bring that up again, but... I'm thinking about how Killmonger was suddenly turned into, you know, this raging homophobic misogynist. And it's like, well, wait a minute. None of that was even in the movie. But then you read these articles and they're adding all of these these uh, character flaws to the guy that, you know, didn't even exist. So, that's yeah, interesting yeah, to that's hear. a great point. Yeah, because it's the same dynamic, but it's but with different types of people. Different like the of same people, way yeah. people default to thinking of white women as uh wholesome and given the benefit of the doubt these people are doing the same headcanon with uh things like killmonger very very, is that uh, a form of cognitive dissonance yeah i think it's exactly i think it's exactly what it is exactly like uh cognitive dissonance i think you nailed it on the head that's the exact term yep Mm. And, and it's it's 
we're going to weave like a very big tapestry and just tie a bunch of stuff. We're usually talking together. Uh, I think it's going to be um, a pretty good, good episode. Um, to give an extreme example of. Actually, let's talk more about Devontae Hart first, because one of the things I was just watching was um, an open secret. And what was interesting with an open secret, right, uh, they were showing how a lot of these pedophile rings and, and Tariq Nasheed posted some tweets um, about this the other day. Right. And then the story um, also came out about the videos they were posting. These women used to put some bizarre um, postings of the boys and the girls, uh, I think it was the, the six kids, um, doing various things. And one of them was the Devontae Hart boy. He was in his underwear. First, he should dress the kids kind of weird, like almost like dolls, like outdated clothes. Just almost animal like print. Animal prints, uh, pimpish attire, and like fur coats and... I mean, when Devontae Hart was uh, hugging that uh, cop, he was dressed kind of like uh, Return of the Mac. Like, it was like uh, cartoonishly, uh, stereotypically black clothes that he was kind of wearing. Like, you know, it wasn't even like very um, current, you know. But um, they were, there were always videos of them, like, you know, playing music and doing drum circles. But the one that was weird with uh, Devontae Hart, he was wearing just briefs. So he was shirtless. He had sunglasses. He had like a Fanning Nemo hat of a fish. He was wearing a fish on his head and was wearing boxer briefs, barefoot, like nothing else, right? So um, after he had already become... I'm reading an article from Crime Online titled... Devante Hart and siblings appeared in unusual YouTube videos before fatal SUV plunge that may have killed entire family, right? And in one of the videos, I'll read directly from the article. It says, in December 2014, after Devante Hart had become well-known due to the viral photo, Jennifer Hart uploaded a video of Devante performing a quote-unquote interpretive dance in his underwear to the song Circle Game by Joni Mitchell. So the boy is doing this, um, I don't want to say it was erotic, but it was um, slow and um, involved, like interpretive dance in his underwear to the thing. She just put this on blast in the um, on YouTube, and she puts an in the video description, while I would love to share more clips from the evening, apparently not all the kids are thrilled with the notion of everyone seeing them shake their booties in their underwear. So I was like, wait, you're having all the kids shaking their butts in their underwear and you were yeah. trying to get all of them on camera? Like, uh, I guess some just kind of um, didn't do it. But like most of the kids danced over four hours straight till 1 a.m., a. you know, just your, average, just your average Friday night. I'm thinking, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, why were you trying to put all the kids in uh, their underwear dancing? For four then, hours. Yeah. And then in the open secret, um, they were talking about how there's a lot of time spent kind of grooming the kids 
and the parents um, of the kids to be used to bizarre behavior. Like, they don't just have the kids um, just start trying to molest them. They try to, like, do things. Like, for example, in the Brian Singer ring, what kept happening was they kept trying to get them used to being in hot tubs all the time. Mm-hmm. So they would always be like kind of um, in their underwear or like hat and state, various states of undress. And eventually like third parties and other people, you know, would end up being around, you know? Yeah. 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 So this thing about having them dance in their underwear for like hours makes me start wondering if it's part of the conditioning, you know, just to get them used to being around their underwear and then maybe they'll eventually start having other people around. It's, well, it seems know. like that. And it's also like a weird kind of signal boosting. I mean, he's got the, 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 what is that? Like a fish hat, Nemo fish hat or something on the top of his head while he's dancing around in his underwear. So it seems like, I don't know, maybe that could be some type of weird uh, signal casting to uh, certain people that might be affiliated with pedophilia and things like that, because these people know, you know what to look for with each other you know there's you know, been you know and that Go. makes sense because there's a lot of codes you're right there's a lot of codes that um a lot of them will will do so so i wouldn't be surprised and they're always changing them. i would not be surprised if that was to yeah. uh signal something damn i wish i thought of that because i would have tried to um look it up uh, digging in a little bit yeah, before before the show, because yeah, that's. Um, well, maybe we could include it in the show notes. We could just look it up anyway and uh, include yeah. it in the notes after. Yeah, yeah, because because I'm I'm very I'm very curious about that. Um, I actually, you know what? I just think I think I might have just thought of something. Um, you know what? Forget it. I'm not gonna look it up online because then it's gonna create dead air. I will. Uh, Look it up. Look it up after. But I feel like I remember something about fish being being a code. But um, let's worry about that after. Right. Um, yeah. So the other thing that was in this, um, the other thing that was in this um, story was how these people, these parents. Sorry, not this story, but in the open secret, the parents were talking about. One of the parents was talking about how. Um, her kid was, you know, doing this uh, modeling and acting, and then she would go on eBay and see pictures of her kid's headshots being sold on eBay by the guy taking the photography, right? And he had a very mm-hmm. distinctive style. He would always take the kids in shirtless photos. He would always, and this was very kind of sick, he would always do it from an overhead angle, right? So it would be like a three quarters overhead angle. And they were saying the reason for that was to give the person viewing the picture, the impression of what it would look like to really be in front of the kid as a taller person looking down, it helps the fantasy. And they would always, you know, in addition to being shirtless, the pants would always be hanging low and the underwear would be showing, or they would just be in underwear or just be whatever, you know, they would have these um, kind of pictures and, what was what was interesting is if you look look at it now and you look at it with this in mind, you're like, why are these kids all shirtless? You know, in general, like why would you do that, right? But uh, these people just thought it was normal for the industry because these are like experts and professionals. This was a professional manager of um, 
of uh, child stars, and this was the go-to photographer that they used for all the child stars. So what the lady was noticing was she saw her kids' photos on eBay, right? Mm-hmm. And she was saying, why are my kids' photos, you know, being sold on eBay? Like, why would um, people be buying these photos when these are photos that, you know, we will send to fans for free, you know, uh, if a fan writes or is a fan club, we'll send them the, the photos for free. And she was realizing the photos were like being bid on to like $300 and up for the photos. She was like, why would somebody pay $300 and up for a picture of my child? Who's not even like a real big star. Oh, you know, man. he's, he's not like, um, Say like the kid from Jerry Maguire, you know, was a mm-hmm. huge star. He's not Macaulay Culkin. He just has booked a few commercials and like a guest slot on a sitcom or something. Like, you know, he's not like a big guy with name recognition. And these are adults, you know, bidding on it. So they started looking at the photographer's eBay account. And basically, like, it was like signals like to pedophiles, like, you know, like um, buy these photos. And there's nothing overtly, you know, sexual in it, even though it's kind of suggestive in retrospect. Like when you look at it through trying to attempt to look at it through the mind of a pedophile, you can see how they can be um, suggest- suggestive, but they have enough plausible deniability that you can see how the parents might not, you know, think much of it. You know, it's just, uh, he just, you know, is a bunch of, photos and just a couple of them happen to be shirtless and a couple of them happen to have the underwear um showing but those are the only ones being ebayed and this guy was like you know doing it under his real name and everything he was like ebaying them and uh Tariq made the connection that these videos of the kids you know dancing with their underwear kind of had a similar feel like uh the same way like these uh eBay photos were there for the benefit of pedophiles, uh, but they had a certain amount of plausible deniability to them. Right. These odd uh, videos of this kid in his underwear kind of has like the same uh, ring. And I watched um, eBay to, I mean, I watched Open Secret myself to kind of see, and I saw what he was. I saw what he was talking about. It made a certain amount of sense, and combined with the whole idea of grooming kids to be comfortable being in their underwear around adults, mm-hmm. all the all the time. So, so that was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, to add to that, there are certain symbols. Apparently, the FBI has known about this for a while. Um, there's an article that I found in the Daily Mail. And it talks about um, some of the symbols that pedophiles use to signal their sexual preferences on social media. Um, From a quick glance, I haven't been able to find anything about like fish or anything like that. But they have three symbols that um, that apparently were in use to kind of signal each other. And they all mean different things. Like one is for if you like little girls. Another one is if you just uh, are not very, are not gen- don't have a gender preference. You just like young children in general. And then um, there's another one that just means that uh, you're a champion for the cause of man-child uh, relationships, meaning that you know you 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 support it and you're for it. Um, like sexual Mambo. relationships yeah. between children and grown-ups. Yeah. Um, 
you know this thing interesting, right? Um, sometimes people will like you know get on me about like weirdly pedantic stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I had retweeted uh, Tariq Nasheed's uh, theory about um, maybe this is some kind of signal to other pedophiles, you know, either you know either to enjoy the video for their consumption or that they're you know advertising to pedophiles like. Uh, these kids are available, like, you know, one or the other. And somebody put, you know, Tariq is wrong about open secret. There's no discussion at all in it about people posting YouTubes as ads for pedos. I don't know where he's pulling that from. It might be one of those made-up Tariq facts and not one of the true Tariq facts. So then, you know, I, I'm like, I don't want to spread misinformation. So I go to open secret and, you know, they have the whole eBay thing. So now I'm really wondering about why this person responded why this person uh emailed me because i'm thinking are they being so pedantic that because because first um Tariq didn't say that open secret mentioned youtube videos what he said was um open secret mentioned um how actually i'll say i'll say exactly what he said this is just a little aside i don't want to dwell too much on it right but yeah 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 yeah, yeah, but but he said, um, this is what Tariq says. He says, this looks like those women had those children involved in some type of fe- pedophilia activities. This is how pedof- pedophiles and child sex rings advertise to one another. The film and Open Secret discussed this. So he never said the film Open Secret specifically said they use YouTube videos. He said mm-hmm. that the film Open Secret discussed this. As in just how pedophiles... So I don't know if this guy was trying to be so literally pedantic that he was saying, oh, um, Open Secret actually was talking about eBay photos and not... Um, Specifically YouTube. YouTube videos. Yeah, and I'm like, why would you fucking focus on that little <laughs> distinction over the actual overall narrative that pedophiles use shirtless underwear photos of things to... So I'm like, is this person to advertise, to... right? And they use different models of communication to do it. So it wouldn't be that far fetched that YouTube or any other social media site uh, could be used for those kinds of activities. It's like, duh, goddamn, your mind. You... Yeah, like, why would you waste my time? You know, coming at me. And the other thing I was thinking, maybe the person. So either the person is lying about. Either he was saying Tariq was wrong about open secret saying that pedophiles use um half naked half naked uh imagery to advertise to other pedophiles which is not true because i watched open secret today and it did say that or he's zoning in on what i said which is that uh tariq mentioned youtube which he actually didn't mention youtube he never Mm -hmm. said the open secret specifically said youtube he said open secret just discussed using the imagery right and then, right. and and furthermore, even if Tariq did say Open Secret mentioned how they use YouTube to advertise, like why would you quibble on? Like why would you be more concerned about him being wrong about YouTube than you are about the fact that this kid might have been uh, molested? And this is this weird pedantry that happens on the internet, like where people just are like too clever for like their own good. Like, I'm like, yeah. either 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt, and I doubt that this guy is trying to cape for uh, pedophiles. I, I, I doubt that. Oh, I just God, think, I hope not. Yeah, I hope that's yeah. not the case. <laughs> I just think either this guy maybe hates Tariq so bad that he's just looking for an excuse, or she is looking for an excuse to just dunk in Tariq, in which case, I'm not crazy about Feminista Jones, but if she had some good information. Information, about, right. Good information is good information, regardless of, you know, sometimes the source, right? Yeah. I and mean, if you can... If you can track the story and it turns out to be true, then, you know, the information in and of itself is true, regardless of who delivered it, man. But some people, man, just major on the minors, man, you know, Thank and like you said, trying to be too clever for their own good. And a lot of times, a lot of times, man, people will do that deliberately to get you deflected into talking about something else. You know, or you 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 spend That's so what I much was time. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, spend man. so much like, time defending your your point or saying that's not what I said or this that or the other that you don't even get to cover the main discussion that you were having. You know, the yeah, main topic. That's of, what I was of, wondering. Is this a purposeful yeah. deflect deflection? And what are you getting out of deflecting from the pedophilia to focus on this, on whether it was YouTube that was mentioned in Open Secret? Because the Open Secret story was from. She was telling the story from like back in the days, so there was no YouTube then. Mm-hmm. So, so like, like, what, what's your point? If there was a YouTube, we would have used that too. Like, it wasn't that right. Like, like, like YouTube is not relevant to the discussion at all. It doesn't matter <laughs> if it's GeoCities that they're doing it on YouTube, Instagram, like AOL probably, online or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, why matter. would you quibble over that part? Like, well, actually, he's wrong. It's, and on top of that, like, he wasn't even wrong because he didn't even say what so you made up you made up a pedantic reason why he was wrong and it was was that so, Ennis? <laughs> was it, oh yeah who, who knows i mean um and this is some in is some weirdo who uh, hates Tariq. Uh, uh but at the same time uh this is such a almost this is such a cleverly diabolical deflection that i i don't even think Ennis is uh, even capable of. Ennis is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Oh no, Ennis uh, might be smarter than we give him credit for, man. Who knows? I mean, yeah. anybody who can spend as much time trolling as he does, that's. Yeah, ma- yeah, maybe. I mean, I just wanted to bring that up because I just feel like this is such a weird. No, thing I feel you mind. on that. People, because yeah, it just, is. It, yeah. Yeah, but but um, one thing we were saying about uh, about the molesting and stuff is how, and the abuse is how a lot of times, both domestically and abroad, there's this thing where people realize that, you know, uh, we're like the garbage people. We're the throwaway people. We're the people that fall between the cracks. Like we're kind of invisible. Like there's a reason why that one of the most famous books about, you know, being a black person is called, um, the invisible man because you know we're very kind of uh unseen until like you know they can't help but see us and when they do see us it's only to um you know abuse us you know but a lot of times uh we're mostly just kind of unseen and i wanted to collect like a lot of examples of of this about how a lot of times people whether it's uh, adopting and taking care of kids here or getting involved in foreign charities, especially third world. Cause now you have the example of, you know, not being protected by sophisticated legal systems and mm-hmm. 
the poverty and the fact that these are black, like that triple whammy, you can really get away with some heinous um, stuff, right? Because right. people are getting savvier and savvier to it domestically. Like, you know, what, what happened in, with the BBC had this guy that was a huge, huge molester for a, a long, a long time. Uh, Jimmy Savile that was, uh, you know, molesting all these um, white kids. And you had the Catholic Church. That happened Jerry here. Sandusky. Well, 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 right. I'm not focusing on like the the white on white ones. Like, yeah. Wait, wait, oh, okay. Those? Yeah. No, but that was yeah. uh, because because these like older things, like the Sandusky thing. I'm sorry, the Sandusky thing is more recent. But I'm saying like the Savile one and the um the Catholic Church one. Like those were like from like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. People are kind of hipper to that now. You can't get away with it. But gotcha. Uh. You can still get away with it to a larger degree with the black ones, which leads to the Sandusky example. Like, you know, he was, um, I, I think people realize, you know, we can still get away with it more domestically with like uh, the black ones. And we can, um, especially if we go abroad, we can really get away with it. That's mm-hmm. still, yeah. I said Sandusky is a great example. Um, it was buried in a lot of the stories how that. A lot of the kids were uh, black kids. Yeah, that, because that he was... the, the first one that got prominence in the story was the guy, Aaron Fisher, who was a, a white guy. And uh, he's the one that kind of got most of the shine. Of, I mean, I don't want to call it shine, but, you know, he got most yeah, of no, the it's media attention. Shine sounds bad. Like it's a, like yeah. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and who knows if that might have been what helped him, um, you know, get get busted, that that. Because that happens a lot. A lot of times, there's like a bunch of um, a lot of times there's a bunch of victims or a bunch of finger pointers. But the fact that there's a white one gets it taken more seriously. Like the example of the Paula Dean thing. Like it was a white accuser of racism that really um, got it taken down. And a lot of times mm-hmm. with these cases, is it'll be like the white victims that raise a red flag. That something's going down, but yeah, yeah, there was a disproportionate amount of uh, black kids being molested and raped by um, Jerry Sandusky, and there was a there was a recent story that came out that was a like it just it happened in 2015, but it just reentered the news because uh, the woman's about to get charged. But in Ohio, and this story came was printed in March 28th uh, after we did the Devontae Hart show. And this was a story that gave me the idea to do this follow-up show. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you saw it. Um, it says, Ohio teacher molested her black foster son and had his baby. Ugh. As crimes went on for years, despite red flags. And in this story, I mean, there were a ton of red flags. And what was crazy was she was a teacher, right? She ended up getting and this is something that happens a lot too um where where they'll get custody like she got partial custody of her black student her black student with two black parents like they will be in such a rush to take black kids away from black parents you know for far less than the red flags that get overlooked once the black kid is with the white parent like, they'll take away a black kid from a black parent, like, at the drop of a hat. And um, 
at the drop of a hat and leave it with a um, white person who will raise far more red flags, you know, and mm-hmm. not get into a fraction of trouble. Meanwhile, the black parent has to fight for like years to get, you know, their kid back. But I'm going to just read really quick. Uh, in Ho- an Ohio teacher has admitted to molesting her foster son over a three-year period and having a baby fathered by the boy. Lauren Lynn Cross, 37, was a teacher at Bucktail High School in inner city Akron and lived in suburban Talmadge. She started grooming. Oh, see, this is the key word I mentioned. Grooming. Yeah. She started grooming the boy by inviting him to her house to go swimming, which was what happened to Brian Singer uh, story. So it's it's very consistent. Uh, They were using swimming to groom, groom those boys and then got him to start staying overnight. Cross later got the boy's mother and the court to approve partial parental custody so he could move into her tall match home where she would quote unquote mentor him. In 2012, the father of the boy who was black. So keep attention. This is a black man. Like the kind of gets like the least benefit of the doubt with the police had gone to the police with concerns about the teacher who was white, but was brushed off. This is 2012. Uh-huh. Three years later, finally the mother started catching on. Remember the mother is the one who, um, signed over the rights and approved in the first place. Right. Right. So, so the mother and father weren't together. No, no. Uh, it didn't explicitly say so, but the reason why I figured it out is because if the father had a problem with it since 2012, Mm -hmm. but the mother signed off on it, I'm guessing the mother had, uh, sole custody custody. or primary custody because if they both were sharing custody of the mother, I don't think would have been able. So the mother did it over, uh, the father's objection, it seems. Mm-hmm. But three years later, even she finally caught on. So in 2015, the boy's mother also went to the police about the affair. Like she finally started catching on. But Cross was not arrested or charged. In December 2015, Cross gave birth to a son fathered by the boy. She Jeez. gave the baby up for adoption. Charge, Cross was not charged until August 2017, Nearly two years later, the boy had refused to cooperate with the police who told his parents that they could not do anything. The police even saw text messages that implied they were in a relationship, but did nothing. Like, see, the amount of benefit of the doubt that she got. Wow. Nuts. Um, there was not anything that would allow us to make a case, Tall Madge Police Chief Ronald Williams told in Ohio newspaper in August 2017. And they both denied it and had stories that explained the text. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. That, w- that would not have happened if it was a black parent. You know, you would not have. Uh, but eventually, but listen to this. Eventually, the boy's father made an audio recording of his son confessing to the affair, which he presented to the police who finally arrested Cross, which makes you wonder, does that mean even the audio recording does that mean that even the baby wasn't proof enough? Like, oh, it seems oh, oh. it seems weird. Did the baby come after? Actually, no, no. The baby couldn't have become after after because the baby was fathered in 2015, and she was not charged until August 2017. So, if she's charged two years after the baby is born due to the father's audio recording, that means that even the baby wasn't was still considered enough. A so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And maybe, maybe they didn't know about the baby, 
But they would have known about the baby if they were bothering to start investigating based on the text and the other information. Like, you know, if they had if they didn't just accept their stories at face value and started like digging, then they could have found that she had a baby. She gave it up for adoption. Who's the father? Oh, wait, something's fishy here. The baby's black. You know, maybe piece together a story, but there was so much benefit of the doubt given. Um, she, she was able to get get away with it. It's it's uh that is amazing, nutty. man. That's not the first story that um no, go ahead. First of all, continue with you. I wanted to check something out, but go ahead and continue. Okay. Well, while you're going ahead and continuing, uh, I'll just give some extra information provided by uh, News One because there were two stories, one in uh, Ross story and one in News One that both kind of um, help piece it together. Like all the information is in one article, but the one in um, News One uh add some extra details that were interesting right it says that nobody knows why the mother gave the teacher parental rights and um the she's going to be she's going to be sentenced on may 24th and is facing up to 21 uh years years in prison but there are many other questions to the story. Why was the father's original complaint ignored in 2012? Why did the mother give partial custody in 2015? Was the father aware the teacher received partial custody in 2012? Like, how long did it take the father to realize? Because but cause, um, they don't say when. I'm trying to find out when she was given partial custody. Because the father first complained in 2000 uh 12 but neither story says when she was given uh partial custody because uh i'm curious to know how long it took the father to complain see so she was given partial custody they don't say when but they tell you that the um oh this is this is interesting i'm wrong it does it does say okay she resigned from the school in 2015 mm-hmm. and and then was granted partial custody so now here's a timeline 2012 before she was even given partial custody the father had already gone to the police so this is even a sickle oh story. wow that's so even worse the father was actually aware about um something was wrong and went to the police in 2012 three years after he went to the police and was brushed off, the woman resigned from the school, which is another question. Why did she resign? Did she resign because people were onto her? Did she resign just so she can um, screw the boy in more peace? Or, you know, like, right. like, she give up her career and her pension and everything. And, to- and how, how old was the boy at the time uh, in 2012 when the father first uh, started noticing something was wrong? Uh, great question. It says he was 17 in 2015. So that means okay, so. That, that that means that three years earlier, that means he had to be uh, 13 14, or 14. Yeah. Right. So so at 13 or 14, in two, when he was four, 13 or 14, 2012, the father started um, noticing. And 
he started telling police who brushed him off. So in three years after the father was already worried and telling the police, and I'm assuming the mother had to know that the father was suspecting this. I'm sure the father wasn't going right. to the police without the mother or telling the mother. So despite the father already having his antenna up and people already, you know, kind of thinking she might be a pedophile, because that's the one thing that's different in um, these open secret cases, the ones that are in mm. open secret. They didn't have any red flags or suspicions of the managers or the creeps, you know, right. until later. Then when they got the suspicions, then they then everything looked funny in the light. You know, mm-hmm. but they were able to get by by the fact that no uh, red flags were up yet, and that's how they were able to groom these boys. What's interesting is, so this father knew and alerted the police in 2012, and three years later, the mother still allowed herself to be talked into granting partial parental custody to somebody who resigned from their school, so they weren't even a teacher anymore. She's not even a teacher in the school anymore, and you're letting her talk you into living with your son and moving him into your house under the guise of quote unquote mentoring him, despite you not even being a teacher anymore, and you most likely having a reason to suspect that she might be molesting your boy. So now I'm starting to wonder if there was some type of financial motivation for the mother to keep. allowing that to go on without any suspicions of her own going on, you know, because that, that seems to go against every inkling of maternal instinct <laughs> that you could possibly think of. You know but what I'm something saying? To, like Something too that I think comes into play, which is what I want to get at is not only do white people give white people a lot of the benefit of the doubt over black people, but a lot of, us a lot mm-hmm. of black people we will give black people grief in situations and not give white people the same grief like if it was a black person would she have done this i mean maybe if it was a capacitor or something because sometimes people in the black mm-hmm. community really defer you know to uh pastor uh, yeah pastors and preachers but mm-hmm. just a regular like black teacher when they even left the job you know to do this like I've, sometimes, like, a lot of us kind of put white people on a pedestal and yeah. really give them the benefit of the doubt and think they must be, you know, like, white mommy and white daddy must be doing this for our own good or you can trust them. But especially, like, she's a white woman, similar to how uh, Allison Williams and people didn't want to believe that her character uh, was evil. I've even had, like, black male friends, you know, that I've told about Get Out, like, you have to watch Get Out, and they watch it. And then they'll come to me after. This has happened twice. They're like, wow, it's an amazing movie. But what do you think was up with her? Do you think she really loved him? And I was like, what? <laughs> just, why would you even ask that? Like, they don't want to accept it. Man, that's crazy. Do you want to believe that, you know, like, like they were more kind of worried about whether the black guy was really, you know, getting the white buns on, you know, out of love. Like, you know, it's like, what is it, what, what does it matter if she loved him or not? Like, she like, tried to... I mean, first off, the fact that you had to ask if somebody who was trying to groom me to be killed loved you. I mean, 
That'd be like asking, hey, hey, do you think Freddy Krueger like 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 you know those teenagers? That he has? I mean, at the end of the movie, she's like, get him, Grandpa, get him, Grandpa. You know, she's like, <laughs> she's cheering for him to get got by the grandfather. Yeah, two black guys asked me that. They they wanted to know if there's a reason. I'm like, even if she at one time loved him, which I don't think happened. Why Man, she's done it to dozens of people. Like they showed pictures of her with dozens and dozens of victims. Exactly. So you think what? <laughs> it was such a weird question. And to get it not once but twice. So yeah, like like white women, I think especially like maybe like a white man would have scared her, but you know, a white woman, she was probably like, Oh, she's like she's a white woman. Uh same way like people don't want to believe Allison Williams' character. But yeah, it's such a fucking nutty story. And yeah, and that's the thing, like we give each other a hard time way more mm-hmm. than we give white people a lot of the time. And like you can see with the, like like businesses, like you know, I notice like black people will judge a black business so much harsher than like than like a white one. Like, you know, if God forbid they're at a black owned business and like the service is bad, they're like, ah, fuck it. That's why I'm I don't like to shop with niggas. I Hate, you know, I try, I try to support yeah. black. I try to buy black, you know, and it's like you your know. customer service has to be perfect. Yes. You know what I mean? It has to be. Not only does your customer service have to be perfect, but you actually have to go above and beyond even the norms of good customer service. You have yeah. to almost be deferential to your customer base. And if you don't do that, man, they, they will put you on blast with the quickness, man. They'll go on uh, their social media accounts. I've seen that, you know, something didn't come right in the mail or, you know, they didn't quite get your order right. Yeah. Or they'll offer like these really strange critiques, you know, like, oh, man, I'd buy this. But, you know, you don't have the colors that I like. This is really strange reasons why they won't do business with you. I can go on and on about that all day, but I I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, that's the end of part one. Tune into episode 85 for part two. We're going to get in even heavier with different examples, and it's going to be a pretty eye-opening show. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, so take care, be good, and be good to each other. For one thing, the entire world is under the system of white supremacy when it comes to non-white people. The system of white supremacy in all nine areas of activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. Now, this system was set up a long time ago. Some people say 400 years. Some people say 600 years. Some people say 2,000 years. Other people say 6,000 years. So by any measure, that's a long time to set up a system that dominates and mistreats people based on color. Now, the whole world is under that system. Most of the people on the planet are people who are said, in a cliche fashion, of color. Black, brown, red, yellow, beige, tan, people who have color in their skin. And somebody thought up a system that these people who are classified as non-white are eligible for mistreatment. In other words, look at anybody who has color in their skin, and if you're white, you are supposed to say that you are ordained to 
dominate and mistreat that person. That's your mission. That's your reason for being. That's your whole reason for being on the planet. Oh, there's a person that has color in his or her skin. Oh, that's a person that's eligible to be mistreated. Mistreated by whom? By me. Or based on what? By me being white. And they being non-white. Well, what is that supposed to be all about? Well, it's an excellent idea for royalism, meaning I'm always right because I'm white. And they're always wrong, even when they're right, they're wrong. Why? Because I say so. And let's set up a whole system worldwide based on that. We do all our business on that. We accumulate money based on that. We accumulate land based on that. We accumulate all the minerals based on that. And then we dictate to these non-white people, these throwaway people, because that's what they are. They're worthless. So you just play games with them and throw them away, just like fox hunting or squirrel hunting or something like that. You know, just consider them to be animals, like the person said in the movie Godfather 1. Sell the drugs to the the coloreds, because they're nothing but animals anyway. Let them lose their souls. That's the basis for the system of white supremacy, and it's worldwide. It was here before any of us was born. And it's very well thought out in detail. So that's a long answer to your question. But I hope that that answers your question. The entire system, there is no other government on the planet other than the system of white supremacy. That's the only government that's worthy of the name government. Period. 